We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, Matt, I'm going to let you kind of give us some direction here today because we can talk about beers first if you want. I can let you get into rants first. I can show off the cool things I have. You get to pick, Matt. This is your show. Well, we got to start with beers, right? I mean, isn't that kind of required? And I guess we'll let everyone know who's listening. If you're not watching on YouTube, friend of the podcast, Devin Conley has joined us tonight. Devin, say hello. What's up, team? That's all I got. You can see <laughs> That's all right. It's as loud right. as you can actually hear and, and feel in the audio. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what are you eating? Um, it, it sounds mushy. It is. It's, um, it has a tech. The sound has a texture. It, yeah, it's almost gone, so you can't really see it. But it's a homemade Jap J, uh, Korean stir fried noodles. Mm. Mm, delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yo, noodles, they slap. Isn't that what Jeremy <laughs> says about everything? Um, yeah, Jeremy. yeah, he does. He does use that word. Um, I still don't really understand it, but yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it's a positive connotation from from guessing by context. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Devin, I saw a nice, nice full pint glass. What are you, what are you drinking? You got to start us off. Cheers, buddy. This is. I don't know if you guys do a second one in time, like in advance. It's there, but I got two here. Uh, what do you got? Is, what is that? What is that? I can't. Uh, see Southern it. Range Tiny Ass Umbrella. Nice. I went by Best Can Art. So. Oh, I like it. I like it. Looks like a little minion holding a tiny umbrella, but um, mighty delicious. Uh, get it on untapped. It's probably gonna get like a four two five. It's delicious. All right. Southern so range. First time you ever had Carolina? that? Tea? Yeah, it's really good. Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's technically Monroe. Ethan, please tell me you have something other than wine. I do. Um, okay, good. But it's not special. Um, it's um, just leftover from from parties that we've hosted. Just uh, Dale's hey, Pale Ale. Hey, nothing awesome. wrong with a good drinking beer. So, you know, yeah, good drinking beer. That's right. Mm-hmm. The leader in the can revolution. Is that right? <laughs> they're, they're one of the first craft beers to really go on the cans. Okay. And I actually haven't had this in a long time, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. Kyle, what about you? You, you snuck a, a sip there. What do you got? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to log it. All right. Here, Matt. And McKellar, I, I can't even see it, but yeah, McKellar. No, it's Three Sons. Three Sons Brewing, Brewing Co. Wait, wait, 
hold hold oh, it yeah, up again. Yeah, Ian McKellar. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't you don't you give me that shit. <laughs> Damn, I thought I outsmarted you. Yeah. Uh yes, it is a uh, vanilla scoop shake scoop shake. I've only had one sip and I can't talk. Uh Imperial stout brewed with vanilla, strawberry, chocolate, and coffee. Ooh, how is it? It's definitely very good. Definitely has a little too much coffee for regular drinking for me but i mean this bottle costs uh 17.98 uh as a single so it's oh, not wow. like i'll be drinking 17.98 yeah. Holy shit. yeah that, yeah, that I went series to... so mckellar is a gypsy brewer so they'll, they'll partner with a lot of different breweries around the country i guess they've got well they, they used to have locations here that's where we went to in shea by the way was okay. mckellar um but yeah that series they 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 pour a lot of stuff. In. Now, I've never had the Three Sons version, so that's pretty cool. They're in um, Tampa, I think, or somewhere down in Florida. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see if it says. Yeah, it doesn't say. But they yeah, do a, I mean... they do a series like that. They do a shake series, which is like chocolate beers. They do a, a coffee beer called a coffee maple series like that called Brunch Weasel. Okay. Brunch and the Brunch Weasel is. Uh, Kopi Luwak coffee, since Kopi Luwak is the coffee that's shit out by the little cat-looking weasel thing. Mm. So they'll do a whole bunch of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, oh. they're pricey. That I was just Matt. That just those uh, coffee beans you just mentioned. Yeah. What are they called again? Kopi Luwak. Those just came up recently in conversation here. I don't remember how they came up, but I was like blown away. Apparently, it's like highly coveted coffee beans, right? Like insanely expensive. And literally, like, there are these animals that shit out the beans, and then we collect them after they have been shat out. Like, that's the important thing, is that they got shit out by this animal. Yeah, so it's like, I think it's like a tree cat type thing, and it, it ferments in its gut. Yeah. And it makes and apparently it, it makes it delicious. I don't know. It sounds horrible. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, it gained mainstream notoriety in the movie The Bucket List. Okay. Because um, one of the things they talked about is wanting to drink their poop coffee before they die. One of Indonesia, South America? Somewhere over there. Africa, South America, Indonesia. Some, one of those the global places. south? Something. Yeah, you know. Yeah. One of those coffee places. Right, right. Okay. Anyways, sorry. I just thought that was funny that that came up. Yeah. <laughs> Is it um, worth 20 bucks? Yeah, what do you think, Colin? Um, for a one-time thing. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll say the longer you do it, the more you realize that it's not. <laughs> 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 it's de- that's that's the depressing the secrets out <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but every once in a while i've got i've got an investment beer here because this is one from all the way back when i lived in kentucky this is bourbon county stout from 2017 wow um so they say right on the little the little flippy thing here on the on the label develops in the bottle up to five years. So uh, just two weeks ago was the five year anniversary that I, of the day I purchased it. So I figured it was a good day to uh, crack it open and have a sip. So wow. when you when you say investment beer, can you give us a range of what your investment was? Oh, oh, I'm just saying inv- I, this is more time invest. This time. Is oh, okay. It didn't cost like a hundred dollars for the bottle. No, 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 no. Patience. Okay. Patience. Just a, a time <laughs> investment. Okay. All right. I got it. Um, I bought it. I bought it for a later date and let it uh, let it grow. What is uh, accrue in value and flavor in my basement? And it was that um, your first sip that you just took? 
Oh no, I've I've been I've been tipping a little bit. It's, it's pretty oh. good. I'd say it uh, tastes a little bit smoother. You don't get as much bourbon. Pretty good after really? five years. That's it. Pretty good. Yeah, I'd say pretty good. Mm. What's what's the other taste in it besides bourbon? Um, dark chocolate. Okay, but not sweet. It's not very sweet. So that's cool. Not like that. Um. So I've got I've got this year's series of bourbon county beers just sitting in my basement right now and we'll open a couple next year and a couple a few years down the road beautiful well, yeah nice. so this is pretty tasty it's i think it's what 14 percent. so it'll, it'll get me a little a little happy oh yeah oh yeah um the bottle says i should taste vanilla caramel and smoke um smoke i don't really get the caramel i get some smoke bottles never right yeah i know i mean you, you, you ever look at the tasting notes? Some of these places, I swear the guys probably just like do a bunch of mushrooms and figure out what comes in their vision. Like, oh, this tastes like papaya that's been left out in the sun and mixed with strawberries on you know the back porch of a Mayan temple apartment. I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't remember that job at Career Day. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so good, so good. Okay, Matt, before you make a decision on something uh i need to play i need to play this for matt and ethan devin you can suck it and just deal with it but i just want everyone to listen oh. to what you get to hear for the next nine seasons in yankee baseball uh pitch is swung on and hit in the end of the block. that goes high it is far it is gone it's a walk-off three-run home run it's a judgian blast to deep left center into the bullpen. And the Yankees win the ball game by the score of 6-3. All right, all rise. Here comes the judge. Ah, love it so okay. much. Now, John Sterling is 84. Do we also think that he's going to be here for the next nine years? So prediction. Aaron Judge is going to get the Derek Jeter treatment. You know how Jeter had um, Bob Shepard record. Well, Bob Shepard, you're right. Yeah, had had Bob Shepard record his walk up. I I think Aaron Judge should get his home run call recorded by John Sterling. Because no, I don't think Sterling is going to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't wasn't Alan Shepard an astronaut? Did I get that was a that was a bad mix up. Oh, did no, you I say didn't. Alan? Oh. Yeah. Colin was right. Bob Shepard. Bob Shepard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Alan. How do, how, I mean, are we gonna are we gonna talk about this signing? He was. We have to talk about it. Let's let's jump into it, Ethan. You sound you sound agitated. Let's go for it. Uh, I'm not agitated. You know, I um, I just didn't feel as strongly about this as I thought that I would, or as I think most other Yankee fans did. I actually wouldn't have been that upset. I think if if Judge went to the Giants, I love him. Don't get me wrong. Um. But I also think that like he's been up since 2017. He's had two really great years, um, which is cool, right? And granted, there's COVID there, but he's already, as we all know, he's going to be 31 in April. Um, you know, I just, I guess I wouldn't have been completely devastated. It would have been, the most annoying thing would have been if he left, would have been all of the fucking tweets that we would have seen <laughs> from all the shitty fucking Yankee fans talking about how George Steinbrenner never would have let it happen or whatever. Right. But don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm happy he's back and I'm hopeful 
that he has at least a few more really good years in him. I figure we, we were texting about it today. I figure if we get three more great years and by great years, let's say seven plus war on baseball reference, if we get three of those, it's still not necessarily 360 million, right? But he's, but he's getting paid for his past performances, you know? So if we get three great years of like seven, seven war or more, then I will feel like, okay, that was, that's pretty good. But I actually, what didn't feel as strongly as I thought I would overall. Do you think he can average 31 homers a year over the life of the contract average? Probably not. I think there's going to be an injury uh, once or twice that will put him out for most of the year and he won't get to 31. And I don't know that he'll hit enough in the other years to average 31. You know, if he has a year where he only hits like six home runs or something. But I don't know. I mean, Kyle, what do you think? To average 31 over nine years? In his 30s. I mean, yeah. Without yeah. without this without any uh, Barry Bonds uh, supplements, um, right. I, don't, I don't know that that's possible. What yeah. what would that bring him to, Matt? If he five hundred, five hundred, yeah, yeah, it'd be cool. I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled. I, I would have. I think I said this the week before the the last time that we recorded. I'd have been fine if 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 the Yankees didn't pay the money but it was clear they wanted to pay him you know even though they ended up paying him more than 120 million um for the extension that they offered him back in april but you know the it it, for me for me the the big win is more shut up those stupid yankee fans that annoy the fuck out of me um like hal steinbrenner coming in and being the fucking closer for this deal is the ultimate cherry on top for me chef's kiss for all of this, and I don't want to hear it from Yankee fans about how hell won't 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 open up the pocketbook. Because what I think is really interesting now, and this is what I'm really looking forward to, is like Rondon is still in the picture. They're definitely going to make some moves, try to dump Donaldson probably in some some contracts, move some things around. Like the pocketbook's still open. On top by, of judge. by just to clarify, by Rendon you mean Rodone, Rodone, right? Rodone. Yes. No yes. One, I was thinking uh, of no, Anthony Rendon. Yeah, only the yeah. Rendon. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, and uh, you know, so there's all that. Um, I also think we can finally put the whole nobody wants to play for the Yankees thing to bed. Um, yeah. I I just I know I sent you guys that text earlier. Like in our lifetime, I'm really struggling to come up with somebody who pulled. In our in our conscious lifetime, I should say, I'm really struggling to come up with somebody who pulled a Greg Maddox on us and didn't want to play for the Yankees because he didn't think the Yankees would win or that the Yankees were set up, you know, for success. And he thought the Braves were the better option like that never happens. Do do players not come to the Yankees for other reasons? Sure. Like that happens. Yeah. Griffey. But yeah, right. Griffey, Granky, some of those guys that we talked about a couple weeks ago. But the fact that the Padres and the Giants both offered 400 mil and he took less money to stay did, with the Did Yankees. the Giants offer that? I thought the that Giants the rumor, were three, right? 360. The rumor also is they, both, years, they were right? both over 400. In 10 years. I thought I, I saw that the rumors that the Padres offered 10 years, 400 million. Yeah, I think that was that was all mixed. Uh, okay. The thing I saw from Brian Hoke was when Hale in – uh judgy spoke last night hale was in italy and got on the phone to speak with judgy and everyone was at eight years and so they went with nine and that's ultimately what 
and 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 bumped it up 60 million because they were or 40 million because they went up to about 320 i think i read on monday um okay like eight years 320 yeah and then like if all this stuff was staged yesterday to come out like the you know the the story about him wanting to be a giant you know the sports sports person of the year award for time magazine or whatever like i mean booney and cashman came out and said they were fucking nervous like they thought he was gone um you know they thought they had lost it and everything so i mean he definitely made him sweat it out and uh hokey's actually coming out with a book i don't know if you guys saw uh on judges past season i think it's gonna culminate with this decision uh, but they just released the details today after judge announced announced the signing so it'll be really interesting to uh to read that too and maybe get some details um i think it releases on the day of the all-star game off the top of my head so a mm-hmm. few months from now okay yeah yeah now that you mentioned it colin i wouldn't have been surprised if the the giant story or the little tidbit about how he felt disrespected because they were making trying to make him look bad um, yeah. If that was all part of his camp's uh, maneuvering, which if it was, fuck yeah, like, um, good for him. Um, but it's, it's, uh, I don't know, I think I'm I'm with Ethan, I'm, I'm still a little lukewarm, I'm still worried about the back half of the contract, but I'm excited to have him back. So um, that that's gonna be par for the course anyway, right? That's, you know, um, Just gotta cut it. you gotta enjoy it while it's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as he's good through the duration of Stanton's contract, which we still have committed five years, $150 million with a $10 million buyout left, I'll be okay. It'd be nice. Because I think I can only handle one broken down massive giant man on the team. <laughs> um, but uh, the other thing that, that I, I, I guess the Yankees still had in their back pocket was just to talk, to talk about uh, the marketability and the opportunities you'd have in New York. Um, and that that is by far going to make up for the $40 million he left on the table, plus whatever marketing opportunities he would have had on the West coast. He's going to blow those out of the water with New York. Yeah. Um, he is the face of baseball right now, along with, you know, Trout and Otani, I'd say that's, that's in my mind, the kind of yeah, three headed Mount Rushmore of baseball right now. And even Trout and Otani are kind of a stretch, unfortunately, because just, Nobody gives a fuck about the Anaheim Angels, yeah. you know. Like yeah. if we were to go and ask like some casual baseball fan who like doesn't really pay attention but just sees headlines <laughs> <Devin>. occasionally, <laughs> they would have probably they will, Devin yeah, his Devin, hand, yeah. They probably will have like heard of Judge, but do they know all that much about Trout and Otani? I don't know. You know. I know shit about Trout and Otani. You do. <laughs> you do. Okay. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of casual people who probably don't. I but. mean, I feel like you know about them just through osmosis by knowing Colin, right? Like, you know, <laughs> oh no, fuck Colin. This is all for Sports Center, <laughs> reading random shit. Uh, okay. All right. Devin is the Listen. only person I've ever met who listens to sports talk radio in Boston. He listens to Boston sports talk radio. Wow. If you think New York sports talk radio is bad, it's 25% sports talk, it's 75% farts, movie reviews, and restaurant reviews. You know, <laughs> you know you're there for the sports headlines, and then you're just killing another three hours of your day. <laughs> oh, so now, now philadelphia is just just angry people in philadelphia <laughs> it's just it's just oh it, it's something else my brother warned me and i thought ah, it's not that bad and then you listen to like 20 minutes of it it's just angry people um but anyway sweet 
But right. doesn't it? Uh, doesn't that contract feel like it's? I mean, again, as a growing up Red Sox fan, I kind of related to this. You know, you sign Crawford, and you think he's going to be this big hot shot for the next <laughs> ten years, and all of a sudden you're giving up Adrian Gonzalez and Josh Beckett to get rid of him. Any fears of that? You'd attach a prospect to get rid of this guy in five years. I I don't. The Yankees just they have never done. They'll just eat the contract. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they'll sit on it. Yeah. Funny enough, though, I was looking up Crawford's uh, numbers the other day on Baseball Reference because. Um, I guess first one, I thought he was in Boston a lot longer than he was. It's like um, two years, so maybe two or three years. And then he was gone. And then two years uh, that was one hell of a, uh, an Ole, if you will, because his last year in Tampa was incredible. Yeah. And then you guys just got, you got Jack squat. Like, uh, let's see. I think he had close to, um, 10 war his last year in Tampa. Holy shit. And then he went down um, – oh, seven war. Sorry, not quite. But he went from seven war in his age 28 season in Tampa to 0. 0.3 uh, and 0. 0.6 his next two years in Boston. Now, oh my God. the 0.6 was only in 30 games, but the 0. 0.3 was over 130 games. So you guys oh, just got shit. like – and that, hey, right. Good for Crawford, man. Go gone. soak up that money and retire. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like the Jacoby Ellsbury for us, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and even that one, they never, they never offloaded him. They just ran out the contract. No, yeah. they slipped, they slipped the team doctor five hundred bucks and said, "Find something wrong with him." <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, they exactly. tried to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, they did. I still yeah. think they did. Yeah. No, I mean they like they tried to, to save on the money. I don't know oh, that yeah, they actually yeah. saved the money. Yeah. 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 Funny stuff. Um. One last baseball thing. <clears throat> There's a ton of hot stove stuff, but we won't bore De- Devin to death today. We can. Uh, oh, we already did. It's already <laughs> been like 10 minutes of Aaron Judge talk. Oh, I'm here. Let's go. <laughs> you guys have, want bad takes? Bring me on. <laughs> I have the greatest. This is for this is mainly for Ethan, but I have the greatest minute in 24 that you will ever see pulled up here. And Something I'm about the Giants because, like, no. Okay. No, the Giants are yeah, playing like the Giants, like you would expect. This is uh all right, can you guys see the screen here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is an answer to <clears throat> a, a long debated question that we've had about what is actually said between managers and umpires when they are arguing. And I don't know the, how accurate it is. But I found I I just found it hilarious. So I'm gonna play it for y'all. Perfect. Enjoy the next minute twenty four seconds. Can't hear it. You gotta do share sound or something. Can't hear it. All right, hang on. Who hosts this show, anyways? No. Right. Amateur hour over here. Truly. You guys heard Judgy, all right? Right? Yeah, that was fine. Yeah. Was that also coming from like the same internet, same browser? Yeah, yeah from YouTube. Well, let's try this. Let's try this. I'm afraid we have troubling news. Due to budget cuts, we'll be laying off one employee. The internet pretty much only lets us fire white males. So if you're not a white male, you're safe. So is Derek Jeter safe? Safe. What? 
He's half black. Why? What do you need glasses? No, He's I don't need glasses. He's not the one who needs glasses. A lot of people do that. It's kind of a pumpkin temperature issue. I know. When men say the difference is what we're doing now, just into one another. I miss having a guy yelling at me. Stop! I've seen my ice tray. You have to do that. Your family. Carrying an entree from the freezer to the sink is like ringing the damn dinner bell for arm hair. Come to think of it, I don't remember seeing a few short hairs in my ice cube that I'm hoping were from my arm. Oh, cool off, Griffin. It is no big deal. It's just that someone's getting fired in front of everybody tomorrow. Well, that sounds fine. I guess I'll just see it. Old joke, you're out. Old joke, I put my own twist on it. There was no twist. Oh, you're crazy. It was a gift and a half to my son. If anything, it's a gift to our love. Oh, it's a Very a warmed over turd from 10 years ago. <laughs> That's great. So great. So great. Oh, let's get rid of this ad. Come on. Love it. Amateur hour. <laughs> They're not a sponsor. <laughs> Protagonist Brewing for all of your Cincinnati Bearcats games in Charlotte, North Carolina. Protagonist Brewing. <laughs> they, were they Bearcats or were they uh, Ohio State? I can't remember. Bearcats sounds right. Uh, Ohio State. Oh, boo. But they were from Cincinnati. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm glad I got it wrong. Boo, Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The ice tray that kills me every time I see that. Yeah, uh, so good. I don't know if it answered your question, Ethan, but I think that's what they talk about when they argue. I think that's got to be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you come up with something better, we can share it on a future episode. <laughs> I'm gonna say, Colin, let's save Ticketmaster for a bit. Let's save it for what? For for the end. Let's go on your next. Your next. Uh... Okay, I have a comment. From a loyal listener, a new loyal listener, sir or madam, or they, however you identify yourself. I do not know uh, what this person is, but they left us a very nice comment on YouTube. I should have pulled it up before, but here we go. Here's the comment. This was recommended for me on YouTube. (laughs) I am confused why, but I watched it all. Good luck for you guys. (laughs) You seem like good friends. (laughs) I'll take that. I'll take that. Thank you. Thank you, person. Yeah, that's fantastic. I want that on our merch, our next round of merch. Yeah, that's a good example of the internet being uh, a rare example, the internet being kind and... Yes. I mean, because imagine the opposite, like, why the fuck am I watching this? <laughs> yeah, like I absolutely that was what my expectation would be, followed by multiple homophobic and racial slurs. <laughs> what the hell um, is Electric Six and why does that guy keep playing with his cat? <laughs> Pie cat. What's you up? Are right. Oh yeah, how's the cat doing? Um he hasn't sent anyone to the urgent care in the last two weeks, so I guess that's good. 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 Woo. Okay. So long. So, okay. Devin, you can get in on this. This is a little game. This is the only other thing I have. So, other than this, you all got to come up with stuff. But before the hot stove picked up, you know, yesterday and today, I was looking for baseball stuff to talk about. And I just started thinking about 
you know, we've talked about how 107 wins, 108 wins, you know, plus is, is a really historic season. And it's rarely happened. Well, believe it or not, 100 wins itself is a lot rarer than I think people think it is. And so I've only done this for the American League so far. I'll do it for the National League if uh, if you guys all like this. But there are one, two, three, four, five American League teams that have won 100 games only one time ever. And there are two teams that have never won 100 games in a single season. Do you think you can guess any of the seven? I'm going to try. There are <clears throat> two teams who have never won 100 games. Two teams that have never won 100 games. In the American and then, League. And then five that have only won 100 one time. Exactly one time. Oakland has never won 100 games. No, they've won 100 multiple times, early 2000s. Really? They were that good back then? They won in like 100 70s, way like back in the Way yeah. back in the day. Yeah. I, was I thought say, that was going to be like a good, like, not obvious pick. Yeah. Wait, and it was five. The Colin, the five was um a hundred or more, right? Not one hundred exactly. or more, but only one time. One, but time. only one time. But only one time. Twins, and are they um, any of the seven? Really? Okay. Okay, Devin's got a guess now. American League only. Blue Jays. Blue Jays is one of the teams that has never won 100 games. God damn it, Devin. <laughs> one of two. Can't stop me. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. uh, Royals. Royals are uh, 100 wins once. Okay. I think back in the 70s. Really? Late 70s. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Not 85, not 14 or 15. Not 14 or 15 for sure, because I, I thought for sure that they did, but they I think they maxed out at like 92 wins yeah. in 15. Wow. Okay. Something yeah. like that. Amazing. Okay. So we got Royals, we got Blue Jays. I've got I feel um, like the Rangers have to be in there. I was gonna say Rangers. Rangers yeah. are the other team who've never won hundred games. Yeah, okay. So you've got those two. That's interesting because wasn't I mean there was a period when we were kids in the nineties when they yep. were really good. Yeah, they, they got close. I think they got to 98, maybe. Yeah, like the Wangan, Rafael Palmero years, yep. you know? Yeah, the 99 team in particular, like, scored over 1,000 runs, I think. Yeah, right, Maybe right. that was Cleveland, I think. That well, I was going to say, Cleveland's got to be on the list, too, right? Because they've they've had some good teams, but they've also, most of the time, are just, like, eking it out. I mean, Cleveland had the American League record for wins for a long time. Oh, yeah, 111 wins in 1954, right? Really? Yeah. But after that, they, though, was it the only time they did it? The dope. The other time was 1995, not even a full season. Ah, oh, that's wins. right. They were so fucking oh, good. Okay. That's right. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, so the Rangers and the Blue Jays are the two who have never won 100. Yep, so you haven't guessed. Oh, Four out of five of the. Actually, I'm sorry, Ethan. You did guess one right, the Royals. I. Oh. Yeah, I think they got to 99 in 78 um, off the top of my head. Some, somewhere in the late 70s. So the Royals are one of the, the teams that have have only done it, or they did do it once. Sorry, now I'm getting confused. Only once, okay. They did it in 78, I'm pretty sure. They got to 100 wins. Okay, got it. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. All right. That was done it a couple times, right? Who? Seattle. They had a couple of insane. Seattle? Oh, Seattle, well, 116 in 2001. That's it. Oh, just the once. Okay, Seattle so Seattle, Seattle's yep. one of the five. Okay. Yep. Okay. So you got, two, you got two of the five. Or, yeah, two of the five. 
Mass at Anaheim. Anaheim, yep. That's three of the five. Okay. And it's uh, actually Los Angeles, Matt. <laughs> I said Anaheim earlier. So the Los I, Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Thank you very much. I actually looked at the map the other day. Anaheim is like kind of really far, far away. Yeah. 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 Like, Jesus Christ. Like, that's, that's I don't know, just a weird choice. Um, okay, so we got three to five, and we got all both of the other ones. Um, okay. Yeah. So you're looking for? <laughs> White Sox. White Sox, one time. Yep. Only once, okay. Yep. Um, and then I feel like the Orioles is one that's, like, designed to sucker me in there, so I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Tampa. Tampa. See, I thought they won 100 more than once. I was thinking they did. Okay. Nope, just one time. I forget what year it was, but okay, nice. I mean, I they, remind like, myself that the Orioles were good. Right, Earl <laughs> Weaver, right? I mean, I feel like uh, those years they yeah. probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, it gets kind of skewed from there because then, so you have five teams who've done it exactly one time. So that's only five times in the history of baseball yeah. if you just counted those five teams, and then you have two teams who've never done it. Right. So that's almost half the league. Yeah. You know, right? The American League, right there. But then the Yankees did it. I think I count it like 19 times. Um, the Red Sox have done it a bunch of times. Right. You know, other teams have done it. Um, Astros are, are getting there a lot. Astros Astros have done it like four out of the last like six seasons or something like that. Right. Um, so, after Baltimore so has one above 100 win season. Is that what it's called? Say it again. Baltimore has one season above 100 wins. More than one season. Well, yep. Yep. Everyone I that we just, that. I just, I just never everyone who was on that list had one or fewer. And I was just, I, I just thought it was interesting. Like, yeah, I was like, I don't know. You don't think it's hard to get to a hundred wins, but then mm-hmm. even we the did, Yankees I mean, this year, as well as they played, they only got to 99, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, after the, those three ridiculous months. I mean, I remember yeah. this was like, I think this might have been on an earlier pod episode. We we talked a little bit about this and I like had pulled up baseball reference and was like looking some stuff up, right? And that was when we talked about like I was marveling at how rare it was to get to like 105 or 106, let alone 110, 114, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But I do remember noticing that like yeah, even 100, 101, 102, like you think about it, you think about like you don't even need to do all of baseball history, right? Because we know, say, pre-divisional era, the game was so different, right? But yeah. even if we pick divisional era, which, what, 69, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So we, we take 69. So we're talking about, like, what, 50-ish years? And we've had, not. I guess we haven't had 30 teams every single season, right? right. But you figure that's, that's a lot of numbers. That's a lot of seasons, a lot of teams. And I think if we were to count it just in that era... Uh, how many teams even won 100? I think we would be surprised. Like, out of the opportunities, out of the chances for a team to win 100, like, the percentage, you know, I think is, like, remarkably low. Lower, lower, especially as Yankee fans, than we might think. Maybe maybe fans of other teams are like, well, yeah, duh. You know, but for us, it doesn't seem that crazy. <laughs> right. Well, but also because of the Red Sox, right? I mean, the AL East has just been really, really good in our lifetime and stuff. But Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in that whole dynasty run, they won a hundred games. Well, depending on what years you count as the dynasty, but I'm pretty sure they won a hundred games in 2003. And then obviously they won 114 and 98, but every other, that was it, right? That was it. Um, And I, and I do wonder, you know, thinking about the Astros, I mean, part of it is, you know, they cheating or not, they have a, they had a good roster. Um, I would be interested to see in the last, you know, five to seven years, 
how many hundred win teams there have been in the majors in comparison to before that, because as we've talked about, like tanking being out of control in baseball right now, and that leading to, I think, having some of those skewed numbers, like the fact that the now, now being a year removed and the Giants winning 107 games in, in 2021 and being so bad last year and projecting to be, you know, not very good this year uh, either. Like there, there has to be a reason for it. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't go that high and then sink that low. Like, can you drop off a little bit? Sure. But that, that just seems a little too crazy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I like it, Kyle. Do the NL. All right. Yeah. I'll get it set up for next week. Yeah. Isn't it time for a salary cap in the sport? You know, it's actually a really interesting question. Have we talked about that very much on the show? I mean, they, they have a salary cap. It's called the luxury tax. Yeah. Isn't it time for a real salary cap in the sport? <laughs> I mean, do, doesn't every sport have its own little uh, tricks to, to get around it, you know, and, and everything? Like, But I mean, technically speaking, though, right, in baseball, if you are like unlimited, you know, endlessly rich you know, and you don't care about paying like a fuck ton in the luxury tax because you just have billions and billions of dollars and you don't care, there isn't a cap. You can have a $500 million payroll if you want, right? Okay. So it's not an actual salary cap, right? Yeah, but I don't I don't know enough about the other sports. And even though they say it's a hard cap, I know there are a ton of loopholes. Like, I was just reading something recently, but... There, there are NFL teams, there are NBA teams that are way over the cap, and somehow they is that like, right? They move money around and uh, the yeah. the NFL is a little bit more penalty laden than the NBA. The NBA, um, I believe, and Devin, I'd say you're probably the most knowledgeable here, but the NBA's got more of a tax system too, right? If you exceed it through certain loopholes, you have to pay penalties. Yeah, like the Warriors and Nets, yeah. they always cop up a shit ton of money. Yeah, Golden State's what I've always hearing of. Yeah, super max contracts, which yeah. is the most ridiculous, childish right. term of all time. Yeah, right, that's right, super max. Yeah, yeah. And, and sign sign and trades essentially. Then I mean, the whole reason the sign and trade exists is to get around the. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yes, there are loopholes. Yeah. But now, once once you get above that threshold, there are only certain things you can do. That's yeah. why you've got people like um, uh, Mike Miller signing. Everywhere that LeBron went with you know the veteran minimum, hey, we're gonna pay you seven hundred thousand dollars. You're gonna make some threes for us this year, okay? <laughs> like, and he's probably could got could have gotten more elsewhere, but that was his whole thing. Same with James Jones, right? Think about James Jones um, following LeBron to Miami and then back to Cleveland, and he I think also owns the record with LeBron in terms of consecutive nba finals appearances because he's just oh, get out of here that is a fun fact yeah i want i I'm, nice. don't quote me on it but i'm pretty sure james jones because he followed lebron around um also as part of that record can nice. we real quickly just a quick interjection colin uh i don't know what time stamp we're at but about 30 or 45 seconds ago matt did his little derp voice and his derp face and he gave a thumbs up can you get it? Can you get a screenshot of the derp smile and the thumbs up and, and let's like get it like cartoon style and get it on some merch. It's just, it's just too good. Right. And like make some threes for us. Okay. Like that right there. That's what I want. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but, Oh, well shit. This is a good reminder. I'm glad you brought up merch because 
Devin, I'm going to need your address offline. You just got yourself a two jocks, oh. one schlub mug. Hell yeah, let's there go. There you go. There you go. We haven't had guests in a while. I got I got a box full of mugs in my closet. We got to get rid of. They, they have a lot of, of really mugs. good uses. They you can do target practice in the backyard with them. You know, shoot some cans, shoot the mug. Hey, you can some, piss in them if you're even, like don't have a toilet nearby. A portable bathroom, genius. Exactly. Smart. You know, yeah. some, some of them even street. came with a new yeah. feature. They came pre-broken, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't have to break it at home. Genius. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, it was never a good thought when you pick up. I picked up that box on my front porch and you just hear clink, clink, clink. And it's like, that's that's not good. <laughs> that's already broken. <laughs> but shout out to whoever it was. It Zazzle. I don't know. Whoever made them shout out because they did replace them. Oh, did they? Yeah. All right. That's pretty did cool. Did you keep the broken ones? No, I threw them away. Mm. They were a safety hazard, Colin. You could have made like some collage with them or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Next time I get some broken mugs, I will ship them to you. Okay. And I'll make Without padding so they arrive even more broken. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait. I don't know why this just reminded me, but I was listening to the last time we recorded. Ethan, you need to give us a running update. And I know oh. that you texted Toddy. So. Boom. You're going to be impressed. I ran two days in a row, yesterday and Monday, on the treadmill. Okay. That's pretty fantastic. All right. And then over the weekend, I think there were two days, I think Friday and Saturday, we went on like hikes slash runs slash, you know, like got 10,000 steps or whatever. So like in the last week, I've actually been good. So the question, of course, is, is you know, whether I can maintain it for any length of time, uh, which in the past was was not the case. But um, you know, what I discovered running the last couple of days, and I think I said this when I mentioned it on the pod, uh, uh, a few weeks ago is like the treadmill is a game changer, you know, for me, like running outside, even if I'm like jamming to my favorite music or whatever, I don't know. It's still just like, meh, I don't really like it that much, but on the treadmill, like these last couple of days, I fucking put on a leopard, uh, an episode of letter Kenny. I ran it's on Hulu. There's ads. So it's like an, a half an hour. Perfect. Boom! Done. Awesome. Ran for a half an hour. Watched Letter Kenny. It's awesome. It's great. So, would you uh, rather have a homeless man throw up on you than run on a treadmill? That's <laughs> no, right? He's the uh, only person I've ever met who loves the treadmill. Who likes treadmills? I'm telling you, it's great. I love it. Yep. Yep. I mean, if you're not dodging street chocolate or looking for crazy drivers, is it really, really worth it, Ethan? Come on. <laughs> so there you go. I'm gonna sing the praises of the treadmill. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So there you go. That's the update. What uh? What was the question that you asked, Toddy? Oh, I asked her. So okay. <clears throat> um, I I it's I'm off during the day, right? You guys know I I work at night. I teach I teach in the evening, right? I teach after school, so I'm free in the morning and in the early afternoon. So if I'm gonna exercise, that's the time to do it, right? And ideally, you know, just getting it done early is better, right? Just get it out of the way, and then I can just go take care of my shit, take a shower, whatever. So my question for Toddy was because I am never hungry in the morning. Um, like I usually, a lot of times I don't eat anything until like one or two o'clock. Um, and granted I wake up later, right? Like I'm a night owl. Like I might not wake up until nine or 10, but still like I won't eat anything for ages. And so what I was asking Toddy, he's like, okay, if I drink coffee uh, and then do nothing else and then go run, is that okay? Or is that going to like wreak havoc on my stomach? Is that like bad for me or whatever? And she said that as long as it doesn't bother you, like if, 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 if it feels okay and you do it, then it's fine. And so that's what I did and it was fine. 
So thank and, you, Toddy. Toddy is going to be a gazillion times more knowledgeable than this, but I know there are um, some schools of thought out there that say a little caffeine is actually beneficial for a workout. Now, if you're me um, and your heart's already stressing as it is, and I'm managing my caffeine intake daily anyway, that's probably not good advice, but um, mm-hmm. I know, again, um, yeah, a little bit may not be, may not be a bad thing. It's a yeah. stimulant. And the other thing I'll say too, that's been interesting and granted, this is like a super, super small sample size. Uh, you know, one of the things when I tried running back when Colin and I were living together, there was like a summer, there you go. And, um, one of the things that I didn't love, right. Is everybody would talk about like, Oh, the runner's high. It just feels so good after you're running, blah, 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 blah. I never felt that. Right. I never, it never felt particularly great. I just kind of felt like tired and kind of zoned out or whatever. But what I've noticed recently, at least, is it's kind of similar to that, but I actually am appreciating it now. Basically, the way I have felt is like, just like super chill, like my brain will calm down, like my brain will kind of shut the fuck up for a little bit, which is really nice, right? Because normally, it's just like constant, right? I'm going constantly from like, dreading what I have to do tomorrow, thinking about some random piece of music that popped into my mind, looking up some random baseball player on baseball reference, like just constant, constant, right? Um But like after this, you know, after doing like some legit exercise, right, I will like just be really kind of chill. And I'll also say, I already have become a master of patience in the last three years of working with small children, but this makes it even makes it a lot easier. There was like on Monday, um, I have these kids who who I love, they're great kids, but there's one especially who he's six years old, and he has to do everything at a 1000%. And he is a beginner saxophone player. Now, for those who don't know, The saxophone is a very polarizing instrument. Some people love it. Some people fucking despise it. And the people who despise it say that it sounds like a lawnmower. And to be honest, they're not necessarily that wrong. So I have this six-year-old who is starting on saxophone who does everything at a thousand percent. Let me tell you that a six-year-old playing as loud as they possibly can as a beginner saxophone player is is not not a treat. Uh, it's, it's It's maybe not ideal. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, overall ambiance, uh, shall we say, but I was in, I was in a chill post-exercise mood. And so I was like, Hey man, like, you know, you don't have to play as loud as possible on every note. He didn't listen to me, but I didn't freak out. So, uh, so, you know, that was good too. Another, another, hey, another hey man, you're at Fortissimo. Let's go uh, mezzo piano. Come on. Mezzo piano. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, I tried, right. I tried, uh, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't listen. He's, he's, um, a free spirit. Is it is it really mezzo piano and mezzo forte, right? Those yeah, are... you remember. Okay. Yeah, and fortissimo is correct too. Absolutely. Yeah. Fortissimo is two Fs or three Fs? Two Fs. Okay, yep. what's three Fs? Fortissimo. Ah, the east ex, extra. You just E-C-mo. add extra ECs. I mean, we once you get up there, we don't really say that. We would just say like triple forte. Yeah. You know, we're not going to bother saying like fortissimo or whatever. You know. Ah, I mean? uh, but but that's fun. It is fun, but like if you look at Tchaikovsky's music, for instance, for whatever reason, Tchaikovsky was fucking nuts. You will find like quadruple and quintuple forte and piano all over his music right and it's like you're not you're not gonna talk about like hey guys can we uh, be a little bit softer on that pianisi easy 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 mo like you know you're not gonna you're not gonna do that it's I mean, just like soft as possible like soft as you can fucking make a sound like that's what you're gonna say for you know? for like brass instruments at what point does it just say like make a splatty sound like um, I mean, in like in certain music, you you will get that. Like in modern music, composers have like a, a sense of humor, and they will sometimes write things like that. Okay. But then the other the other example, though, and I may have did I tell this story on the pod? I may have. So that would be a composer who has a good sense of humor about themselves, right? But then 
there's a lot of sort of new music, avant-garde music, contemporary music of composers who take themselves extremely seriously and they would never write anything in a fun way like that, but they will still have you do insane things. For instance, when I was doing my doctorate, I played a piece um, by an extremely famous like contemporary, like new music composer, extremely famous within music circles, like not famous among anybody else. Like his pieces, the public does not like his pieces, okay? Um, and literally, and this was like the last concert I ever did at, at, at my doctorate. And I was like, this is an interesting way to go out. I took an oboe read. Did I tell you this story? No. Okay. So I had to take, so for those who don't understand how a trumpet is, it, it works. There's the main body of the trumpet. Then there's a mouthpiece. You stick the mouthpiece in the trumpet and you play, right? But the, the, the mouthpiece goes into a thing we call the lead pipe, right? Just a little, a little pipe. Uh, for this piece, I had to take my mouthpiece out and into my lead pipe. I had to place an oboe reed. Oboe, for those who don't know, kind of looks like a clarinet. It's a thin black wooden instrument. It's a woodwind. It's a double reed. There's two it's little the pieces of reed. wood. Yeah, two little pieces of wood that are kind of like really close together. You blow into it, the reeds vibrate. That's how that makes the sound. I had to take an oboe reed, put it into my lead pipe, and play it on my trumpet. And uh, it sounds... It sounds like um, a duck is being taken advantage of by another duck, basically. Um, I was going to say, oboes already sound like a goose quack, you know, quacking. Yeah, so. yeah. And I mean, this sounded ridiculous. It sounded fucking ridiculous. But like, I couldn't even sit there and like laugh about it, at least not obviously, because like this composer is really serious and like highly respected by people in this in this world in in like the new music, classical music world. Um, and of course, that that context is the only place that that music is ever going to get played, right? Like the New York Philharmonic is never going to put on a piece by this person, the, the public, the public would be like, what did I just spend money on? Like, this was the biggest waste of my time ever. Like it just it's 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 insane. But uh, so yeah, so you'll get both right, you'll get you'll get some people who are like, yeah, play really splatty and like, you know, sound like a blah, 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 or whatever. But then you'll get this, like play with an oboe reed and it needs to be, you know, exact, like a certain thing. And it needs to, you know, be part of this soundscape that we're creating. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty crazy world. So That's how did we get there? Be up there yeah. in some of the best ways of describing duck on duck humping. That, that was <laughs> well, you know, normally I if it was if it was back in the day, if this was like when we were in high school or college, I would have said it a little bit more crudely, you know, but I'm trying to be a little bit more careful in my language these days. So, you know, <laughs> but yeah, that's that is what it sounded like. <laughs> I, I I was really enjoying those tangents, though. That was good. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. What else we got? Do we have anything else on the on the docket, Devin? Do you want to? When we have guests, we let them just like have free reign. And is there anything you want to talk about? Like anything at Devin, all? Devin doesn't get a, any any say in what happens. He can override Calm. Yeah. So I mean, Devin, yeah, dictator yeah. Sinalia here needs to go. Holy crap! I thought we do a vote right now to decide who's going to host <laughs> the show. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> The uh, the Italian dictator uh, loving uh, traits they're they're running a little bit too too deep. Colin Mussolini over here. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a good one for you guys. You get one food, you can get the fuck out of this world forever. It's gone. What is it? Oh, getting Ooh. rid of a food. Get, get rid of a food. No one can ever enjoy it again. You can ruin someone's life. You can make your life better. Whatever you want to do, the world's your oyster. Or you can get rid of oysters. Ah, <laughs> I like this. I like this. Hmm. Is there anything that I hate that much? 
I mean, I'm not going to make this my official answer, but the leader in the clubhouse right now is Peas. Yeah, that's kind of actually for me too. I raw peas are amazing. Uh, like for me, out of straight out of the garden, you like pop it out of the pod. They're great, but cooked peas, ugh. Um, what else? Hmm. Tuna we, fish. Uh, interesting. What about like you don't like tuna and sushi, Kyle? I, I don't know. Maybe I've had it, but uh, okay. I, don't, I don't eat sushi very often. You know, Toddy would probably be the. She would probably have a whole a whole long list for this. Yeah. Um, um, you know, controversial opinion here because um, a lot of people really like it and it's delicacy. But to me, anything with truffle. Oh, I like truffle. Tastes like gym socks to me. Like I just, what? I, you want to get rid of truffle? Truffle to me does not taste good. Oh, I like it. You never like had like some truffle like fries, truffle parmesan no, fries. No, no, no. I, I, like mean, I will, I will tolerate them taste... if you get enough parmesan on there. I will tolerate. But it doesn't taste fries. good for you, okay? But I mean, maybe it's like the cilantro soap thing. The cilantro something. and like the hops we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. 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 Don't I mean, you dare say like hops. I will drive down there right now and <laughs> intercept <laughs> I your would package. Never and say smash hops. It. I would never say hops. Um, that's funny. I don't know if I've ever met anybody who like found truff truffles uh, that distasteful though. That's interesting. That's the first, yeah. Yeah. What is, do you have one, Devin? I, I said seafood as well. So I, I know Colin just specified tuna, but seafood itself, I mean, it tastes like the sea. It tastes like two ducks humping. Who wants <laughs> any of that in their mouth? Just seafood overall, no seafood. No, uh, people that say lobster's delicious just are saying butter's delicious. They are, they are <laughs> lying to I just had lobster ever. on Saturday and it was fucking. I delicious. bet it was great butter. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> That's pretty good. The butter oh, tastes yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. No, no crab, no clam. No mussels with like garlic and all that. Nothing. None of that. All gross. All shitty. Two ducks something, man. Even a sam or a salmon. Excuse me. No shit. Yeah. No. Do you count fish when you say seafood, or do you mean like uh, crustaceans yeah, or whatever? It, if it's crawls. swimming in the water, keep it off my plate, man. Anything in okay. Anything <laughs> coming out of the water. Devin is building his case for worst person in the world. No. Boston that, sports. That man. is exactly what I was going for. <laughs> Hater <laughs> of seafood. <laughs> Actually, yeah, Colin, your favorite. I can remember when, at least when we were living together, like lobster mac and cheese. That was like always one of the biggest treats, I think, for you, for you oh, guys, at the, right? At the fair, yeah. Oh, is it specifically at the fair? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come to okay. the New York State Fair, where <laughs> we're known for our seafood. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to ask it. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, they had lobster <laughs> oh, mac yeah, and the cheese. lobster mac that. and cheese from the fair. <laughs> so one of the things I would see in when I lived in Kentucky and I drive from the greater Cincinnati area down to my plant in um, Carrollton, Kentucky, is like once a week I would pass this gigantic flatbed full of just live seafood. It just tanks and tanks of like, because it had, it had oxygen on the back of the truck and it would have all the warnings and they had live seafood tanks because it would oxygenate the water. And I'd see it every week. And all I could think is like, man, I know they're trying to be fresh with that stuff, but I, I don't know. I I don't know if I want live fresh seafood if I'm sitting at a restaurant in Cincinnati because I'm going to immediately think, where did this come from and how did they get here? And then God forbid that truck ever gets in an accident. Cause like now I'm just imagining like squid covering the highway everywhere or something. I don't know. It's just anyway, anyway. Great oh, question. Yeah. It was a good one. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to give more thought to it. I feel like there's gotta be a food out there that I just despise, but it's not coming. Yeah. Same to mind. Yeah. I mean, I know I don't like onions or mushrooms, but. You don't like onions or mushrooms? I don't like I mushrooms. I don't know if I knew mushrooms that. are disgusting. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Oh my god, uh, I'm the only one who likes mushrooms. And I live in the mushroom capital of the, of the world. Yeah. And yeah. 
Holy shit. And okay. I, <laughs> I brought home like 10 pounds of mushrooms for Thanksgiving for my family from work. And I didn't eat a single one. Wow. I mean, how could you even put that in your car? <laughs> you saute some mushrooms with some garlic and some butter, some salt and pepper. So basically Fungus. what, what Devin said. And is. That, oh, I see what you, yeah. Oh man. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. What about onions? Is, is Colin the only one who dislikes onions in this group? Over the last 10 years, I have grown to enjoy onions. Oh, I'll put oh. Onions cereal. That stuff's delicious. Yeah. I fucking love onions. Okay. Yeah. For a long time. I didn't, um, Interesting. Uh, I was actually listening to a blog the other day talking, or a, a chef the other day talking about it. like once you get into the culinary world and you actually start learning about these things, um, the importance of onions in a lot of dishes is 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 critical in terms of the flavor. Just even if you just spend some time caramelizing them, like the the difference that can make in a dish is huge. Yeah, like French onion soup, Matt. You ever had that? Uh, a couple times. Uh, I use the sometimes I use the French onion soup mix. Is like a pot roast seasoning. Okay. Nice. Next time you come down here to town, we should go to Annapolis. There's this French restaurant in Annapolis, and their French onion soup is fucking amazing. Okay. And like, and you should try it. Yeah. Even even if you don't love onions, like the cheese, the, I mean, the melted cheese is the best part, right? But like the broth is like so fucking good. <laughs> so that's on the list. We're gonna do that at some point. Oh, so to quote Devin again, so I hear you like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so I love cheese. No, but I love the onion flavor too. Like I, I legit love all of it. Right. Uh, but I think, you know, if you have grown to appreciate onions, I think if you have a really good, you know, French onion soup, I, I think you would dig it. Not to say that the mixes, I'm sure the mixes are, are good. Like I'll, no, I'll no, I, like, this, the, the, the extent for me is, ah, oh, this is going to go good in a pot roast. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's about yeah. it. Okay. So. Yeah. So we'll do that. All right. Well, I'm going to launch into it then. Take us home. All right. Yep. Take us home. And I want active participation on this. Okay. Because we're going to go after, we're going to go take a look at Ticketmaster. Take a look, take a look under the hood here, guys. And you're going to talk some shit about Bruce. I'm going to talk some shit about Bruce. I'm going to talk. If you talk shit about Taylor Swift, Swift, Taylor Swift, I'm going to talk some shit. You're going to be surprised because I'm going to name one artist who does it right. And I hate the fucker. But he does it right. Okay. He's actually so so basically the one I well, while Ticketmaster is terrible, very, very terrible. Um, and you know, you've got it straight from the CEO's mouth um when he was testifying to Congress. Irving Azoff, by the way. Colin? Irving Azoff. Irving, Irving, Colin. Uh, yes, uh, yes. I'm remind well us who aware. he is. It's Live Nation, it's not Ticketmaster. Yeah. No, no, no. But, but he was the he was the first CEO of Ticketmaster. Yeah, but reminded, isn't he Live Nation though? No, Live Nation merged with Ticketmaster. Before he was the CEO of Ticketmaster, oh, and remind us who he is. Nation. Yeah, uh, he's the Eagles manager. There we go. Ah. Okay, there we go. So <laughs> they were they were set up, and he this is straight from his testimony to Congress to take the heat for everyone as they increased fees at concerts and shows. So to keep this in mind, so Ticketmaster is not one hundred percent guilty by themselves. Um, the jacked up fees that they have, which are sometimes greater than the cost of the ticket. There are many, many instances where the fees are 75% or above uh, and in, in a couple instances, actually more than the cost of the ticket for the fees. But those fees are actually being divvied up between the promoter, the venue, and the artist. So think, keep that in mind too. Some of those fees are going to the artist. But where the Ticketmaster thing gets more sinister and what Colin was starting to touch on is the year after that Irving Azoff quote, 
to Congress. They merged with Live Nation and the DOJ gave them their blessing. But Live Nation is one of the biggest promoter, is the biggest promoter and venue owner in the country. So if they're charging these fees for promoters, they are essentially also lining their pocketbooks with those. Not only are they charging their service fee themselves, but the promoters slice of it goes to themselves as well. And there's a ton of power that Live Nation owns because of how much uh, the number of bands they represent and the number of venues they actually manage. Uh, Ethan, uh, the Fillmore, I believe, is a Live Nation managed venue. They I, own yeah. those venues. I think I knew that. You, um, I think you see the Live Nation logo on the way. Yeah, and that's and stuff. That's where you get like the corporate contract, you know. I, you know, that's why you see Liquid Death at every single one because Liquid Death signs a, a mm. marketing agreement with Live Nation, and that's why it's everywhere. Right. Uh, okay. You know, there it's not just venues like that. It's you know, um, there's certain outdoor venues like the Nautica Billion at Cleveland that was also managed by Live Nation, and while that's great because it allows artists and promoters to set up like, uh, same with the Syracuse Amphitheater, right? If someone you, you can almost predict if they're playing Syracuse, they're going to play these eight other venues in the area because they're all owned by the same one. And it's advantageous to the artist because they can set up a tour and they know they're going to hit all these venues and they're working with one person. Um, so I can see why it happens, but it also, um, when you talk about the monopoly there and the actual control they have over a large segment of the market, it is, it is real. And it's not just the venues, it's multiple segments. It's the booking, it's the management, it's the venues, it's the ticketing. Um, but it's not 100% them. The artists are in on this too. And that's what I want to think like where, where I, 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 I guess this is probably a personal vendetta a little bit because um, and nothing, I'm going to get like hate mail for this because <laughs> like a, a Swifty is going to hear this and I'm just going to get like attacked. <laughs> um, one of my biggest, like Taylor Swift is incredibly talented and she's a, um, a, business machine in terms of her music and her touring and her events and productions. But what I dislike is that um, in the eyes of her fans, she can do nothing wrong. Um, and what I want to say is she is just as responsible for this as, as Ticketmaster and Live Nation are. So um, in her defense, right, you know, with, with pricing with tickets and with people complaining about having to wait for a while, well, if the tickets are price below market value, then you're going to pay with something and you're going to pay with your time. So, um, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really give a lot of credence to people who said they had to wait in a waiting room for two hours, right? Because you are trying to get something that a lot, there's a lot of demand out there for. Um, where I start taking some issue with, with the, the Taylor Swift camp is how they went about this, how they worked with ticket, like, the artist still has a lot of power to dictate the terms they want with Ticketmaster. Um, they can still, they, they explicitly set the limits and the number of tickets that are going to be used for dynamic pricing. They, uh, you know, in, in the case of Taylor Swift, sold a bunch of different versions of their records that had different incentives, whether it was exclusive songs or pre-sale codes or ticket, concert ticket access to try and drive up their record sales. There was instances where, um, Taylor was getting called out by a couple different musicians because, well, if you want this special song, you have to buy it at Target. But if you want this special concert access, you have to buy it at Walmart. And if you want this special thing, you have to buy it at Amazon because those are the only places you can get these limited things. Um, and that was seen as a ploy to drive up album sales too, because people are going to buy seven copies of this album to try and get all the exclusive things um, 
And again, that's great for Taylor. It's a marketing machine. She's trying to get her money. But where I go back to Ticketmaster and say, okay, um, she is just as complicit in the pricing model out there as Ticketmaster is. Um, This didn't happen in a vacuum, right? So there's a couple of things she can do, right? So the the, the biggest driver here is demand for her tickets is vastly outstripping supply. Um, So what can you do about that? We can increase the supply. So you can can play more shows. Um, That's not always easy, easily, you know, as said or done as it sounds, right? She's working with stadiums. Um, A lot of these stadiums have other commitments, whether it's football stadiums and activities or baseball stadiums and sports. There's, there's logistic problems there, but you can, you can increase the number of shows out there. Um, You can also do more to drive the actual tickets going on sale to your fans. So one of the other things I wanted to bring up is in a lot of these shows, when they first go on sale, fewer than 25% of the tickets for the whole show are actually available to fans when they first go on sale. And that's because, and this is taken from a couple different articles that can give you guys references if you want, and John Oliver's last week tonight bit on tickets a couple of years ago. Whether it's credit card companies that are reserving seats for kickback to the artist, whether it's um, special VIP or platinum passes that the artists are selling, which again, fine, that's more money to their pockets. Whether it is pre-sale offers or uh, mainly resale offers, a lot of times, less than 25% of, on average, I should say, less than 25% of the total number of seats are available to, to, to buy when it first goes on sale. And there's, there are some egregious examples, for example, like Janet Jackson in Hawaii, where when it first went on sale, uh, 9% of the tickets were available. When Justin Bieber sold out Madison Square Garden two nights in a row in under a minute, it's because less than 10% of tickets were actually available to buy. So yeah, if there's... 200,000 people waiting in a wait a lobby and there's 2,000 tickets available. Well, no shit, because he's got a lot of kickbacks. He's got a lot of places where these tickets are being allocated to. Now, I'm going to go on Bieber a little bit too, but Bieber is guilty of this. And so is Metallica. So is Katy Perry. So are a lot of big name artists. The other thing that happens here is these artists are reserving tickets to sell on the secondary market themselves. So don't lose sight of that. I am willing to bet that in a lot of instances, some of these Taylor Swift tickets were actually set aside by the venues for Taylor Swift to sell directly through StubHub. That happens a lot. Metallica got caught 10 years ago doing it with 88,000 tickets across the board where they were just directly giving them to StubHub to sell at 4X the markup on average. So this is guilty. A lot of people, and again, I understand that they want to capture some of that value. I get it. Like the, the, Oh, well, if the, the market's going to sell 10 times higher than what I'm going to sell it for, then I want some of that money too. Fine. But don't be so blithe about it. And here's where I criticize Bruce. Like, well, if you, if you leave this, the stadium and you're not happy, I can give you your money back. Like, no, you're not going to give me my money back. And number two, don't you're, you're closer to a billionaire than to me, uh, Bruce. Don't, don't be an every man here for that. Yeah. Like you were just as complicit with the, uh, uh, flex pricing, whatever the fuck it's called, and I forgot. I'm so dynamic pricing, adaptive. Yeah. Um, and again, I understand that the, the original intent of that was to beat scalpers by actually trying to capture the actual net market value of the, of the tickets. But what it's it's turned on itself because um, demand based pricing works for great for Uber. <laughs> it doesn't work when everything goes on sale at once and you've got a rush of demand buying everything all at once, right? That's going to automatically give you huge demand signals. And yeah, if you have an algorithm set up to do that kind of pricing, it's going to go through the roof. 
Um, now, again, the artist sets the limits. The artist tells how many tickets are for sale for that. But there are ways to accomplish that by getting around it. So the the the, the I want to highlight some different ideas that are out there that artists use successfully to try and avoid the scalper argument for this whole thing. Um, number one, you can take your most exclusive tickets and you can make them platinum tickets. So if you looked, I just bought Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets to the Dome in April, this upcoming April. Um, they took the most sought after tickets. So essentially the first two rows of every section and the pit and some of the floor seats and they made them platinum. So they're going to capitalize on those, say 5% of the tickets because they know they can get higher for that. But um, they're trying to essentially remove them from the secondary market um, completely. Or you can do what some artists have done and I'm not going to reveal this, this artist's name yet, but you can not sell those at all. Um, certain artists won't even sell the first two rows of the, of the stands. They will have special ways to give them, sell them through their fan clubs or have special channels where they can get them at a reasonable price to their fans. Um, so that's one thing, you know, you can, you can selectively limit the tickets that you want to do by special packages or um, special targeted um, sales to, you know, certain fan club groups. And again, that's not going to work all the time because I know a gazillion of these Swifty fans were part of a certain club and had certain codes and they still didn't get tickets. Um, you can also limit resales, right? Ticketmaster enables resales because they take a cut of the resale revenue too. Um, do pull an Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran said, none of my tickets can be re resold for higher than face value. That was a law in the books in some places too. So yeah, if you get buy tickets and you can't use them, you can resell them and you can get your money back. And that's it. But it gets rid of the speculative market there. And it gets rid of someone buying 100 tickets to try and resell for massive profits. So you can do that now with um, the electronic ticketing that's out there. Certain artists have gone paperless. I think this is something that more people need to do. And I think it's an easy, 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 easy solution. Miley Cyrus is a good example. Um, the Q Arena in Cleveland also did this as well. If you want to get, you don't print out a ticket, you walk up and you have to give them the credit card that was actually used to purchase a ticket. They swipe it in their machine, it prints out two little stubs and that's your ticket for their seats. That's a great way to know, okay, the person who's attending is a person who bought these tickets on our site. Um, you can also cap sales. You can cap fees if you're the artist and cap resale. Um, Rage Against Machine said, all right, if we're gonna play at your venue, the, every ticket's going to cost $100 and the fees are going to be 20 bucks, no matter what, no matter where you sit. And you can't transfer the tickets. You can buy two at a time. Um, if we know you want to go, if you're coming to the show, if you're buying tickets, you really want to go. So you can't transfer tickets. You can't um, uh, resell them. It's 120 bucks total. That's it. And they did take specific sections because there, there are still ways scalpers can get around this. They did take specific sections of tickets they would monitor the local scalper prices on Craigslist and they would set the tickets to match those scalper prices or beat those scalper prices to try and undercut the market. And they would donate all the extra profits to charity in the area. So you can get around that too, right? If, if someone is somehow getting around your system and they're selling front row seats for $500, they would put those same seats up for $300 and they would give the extra 180 to the local food bank. And they'd say, all right, great, fuck you scalpers. Um, you can invalidate tickets that are resold. Eric Church did this. Louis C.K. did this. Fuck that guy. But Louis C.K. did this. Where you can, <laughs> they have people monitoring resale markets and actually seeing if this is being resold, we are going to cancel your ticket and we are going to make it for sale to our fan club instead. Um, you can play more shows. 
And here, here's where I'm going to say I despise this guy, but Kid Rock, Kid Rock limited all his seats. He, he, there's a great Planet Money article on it. I really strongly suggest you guys do about how t- Kid Rock beat Ticketmaster. He capped capped the price of all of his seats. He made certain high desirable areas platinum that he only could he could control the price of. They did not sell the first two rows of his seats, and he played more shows. So, and he freely said, I want to make as much money as I can, but I don't like, I'm not going to make you take out a second mortgage or go into debt to see me. So this is what I think a fair price is. And I'm going to play more shows. So you have more. So I remember at the palace at Auburn Hills, you'd look up in the rafters and you'd see Eminem, 12 sellouts, Kid Rock, 26 sellouts. Cause he would do that. Billy Joel is doing that in Madison square garden right now. He is playing until he stops selling out and he keeps selling out. So you can increase the, the the supply too to try and drive down the demand. Um, I'd say when when I bought Billy Joel tickets for the show I'm going to see in January, um, there was a week's worth of time period where I had before it sold out. So the demand is still strong there. He's still going to sell the place out, but it's not through the roof where you're paying five or six or seven or ten times the price for scalpers. Um, I think I've exhausted all of my anger here, but what I'm getting back to is. There are ways to do this if you want to do it. But I'd say in a lot of cases, artists don't want to do it because they're still going to find a way to get that money anyway. Uh, there is no incentive for Taylor to do that because the, the massive hysteria and the dynamic pricing and the limited, uh, the limited availability of tickets, limited supply, all serves to drive up prices and in the end, enrich her a little bit more as well now yes she is losing out in the scalper market that the scalper market is still fucked but she could take action to try and eliminate some of these ridiculous scalper like all she has to do is is implement the the miley cyrus policy of all right you bring your credit card that you purchased it on or take the eric church route and say we're going to cancel resold tickets that's all you have to do to really really tamp down on a lot of this nuts you know four hundred dollar ticket going for twenty two thousand dollars and stuff up type nonsense so I don't know. I just, yes, Ticketmaster sucks and they own way too much control over the monopoly and maybe they would have been better. You know, maybe they would have had a better experience and wouldn't have gone to shit if they had a strong competitor out there that could challenge them and say, Hey, artists, Ticketmaster fucked up buy through us, but there is no one who's big enough to do it. Tickets.com sucks. AX, AXS or whatever it is that manages for, uh, like Red Rocks that we went through, Ethan, isn't that great? You know, they're just as problematic, but they're small and they're not a huge threat to Ticketmaster. There are things you can do if they wanted to do it. All right. Get a water, bud. Wow. Out of beer. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. My job. <laughs> that was. Um... I mean, God, that might have been as long as like some of my rants. I didn't think anybody could go quite as long as me. I'm impressed. I have like 17 tabs open. I've got some notes. Oh, yeah, you yeah, were looking at way. notes. So, oh, my God. So yeah, I saw that. Prices have tripled since the mid 90s, which it's outpacing inflation. <laughs> so the artists are getting a bigger cut, too. So, again, don't think this is, oh, poor me. I'm not making as much as I could. Like, OK, yeah, they're not. But, you know, and 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 I'll. I, in defense of Bruce there, because I, I still think he's pretty shitty for the dynamic pricing. And the, if you're not happy, then just, you know, talk to me after the show. But he got around it too, right? 
his his Broadway show was incredibly hard to get tickets to, right, Colin? Yep. So you know what he did? He's a lottery. He's you can have a lottery. That's another thing I didn't bring up that was in my notes. Uh, Fish yep. does lotteries for their highest demand shows, right? Uh, because Fish people go nuts for even and and they'll play five or six nights in a row. Uh, you know they'll play multiple nights in a row, and they still have you know the same the same seven people go to every show everywhere every year. Um, but um, he also streamed it, right, Colin? Uh, Bruce ended up streaming his Broadway show the, eventually. After the tour. Yeah, but but mm-hmm. I'm saying, so those are different ways, and streaming's going to take a long time because, right, if anyone has a choice between seeing something live or streaming, if they're going to take live, it, you know, that's part of the Bruce experience. It's part of the three and a half hours of high-energy rock and roll you get at an E Street band show. Um, streaming's well, never going to... It wasn't E Street for Broadway, but... Oh, but I still, streaming's never going to replicate that. But it's a way to get that product in more people's hands. That's what Lynn Miranda Manuel ended up doing for Hamilton. That's why they recorded it and put it on Disney, because he was trying all sorts of ways to beat the scalpers and beat the bots. He got legislation passed with Chuck Schumer in New York State to try to beat the bots, and yet there were still people who were being shitty and beating the system out there. So they recorded it with the original cast and put it on Disney Plus. So again, I just I feel like. Um, well, it was a massive failure on Ticketmaster's part. There also is culpability for the artists here. The end. You guys talk. I don't. None of none of what I have to say. I don't think addresses some of the the like core issues of what you talked about. Um, but it is what's what's just really interesting to me, and what I I don't even understand sometimes to a certain extent is like the suppression of fans when it comes to all of this, like. It, it, whether it's ticket prices or holding back on select songs, like when, when I don't know, maybe this is just me, but when there's, when there's an artist, especially a musician that I like, I want to find everything. I want to find the bootlegs. I want to find, like, I want to know every version of the song and yeah, I get it. Like maybe they're not making a ton of money off of me. Like, searching for it on YouTube or, you know, wherever it is that I can find it, the bootleg. Um, But like Bruce does a really good job of this. It's as high quality as you can get it without, um, you know, without like doing the, I guess the super high quality recording that, that you get with some artists, but he's been putting out shows from his catalog of, you know, 40 years for forever now. And, and he'll, he'll, it used to be like once a week or once a month or something like that. I mean, you can get shows from back in the seventies. You can get shows from the nineties, the eighties, you know, what, whatever it is. And it's like, it's good enough quality sound that you can like really listen to it and enjoy it. And if you're a diehard, like that's, that's gold. And that's going to make you want to support the artist even more. So it's just, it's always weird to me when like artists are complicit in, in in these things to suppress fans getting access to their shows, to their music, to whatever it is. And like, that's the, I guess the Tom Petty piece speaking to me, cause he was, he was a big one against all of this stuff. And like, who knows, you know, it's been five years now um, since, since he passed. It was 2017. Um, yep. It was right before our wedding. It was, I was thinking months, 18 but okay. before the wedding. Holy shit. Um, you know, if he was alive, you know, what, what he, he would say about, you know, some of these things like dy- dynamic pricing and things like that. But, um, you know, there's just not, a, I, I guess there's probably just not enough artists out there like that who 
care about sacrificing their money, <laughs> you know, for, for uh, schmucks like us that, you know, just want to listen to music, you know, <laughs> that's, that's all, it, again, it doesn't address any of like the core things that you said, Matt, but it is always interesting to me. Like, why are we holding back stuff for fans? Well, I mean, there's, to me, what that represents is a conversation somewhere of like, oh, well, Colin loves Bruce, you know, Colin in North Carolina loves Bruce. I could get him to pay $15 for this album. Or if we do this, this, and this, that same guy is going to pay $45 and he's going to get two extra songs. And it's like, like that's just ringing you for your week. I don't know. And I'm not saying Bruce does that. I'm saying other, other artists are doing that. Right, right. How much is Bruce's archives? Free? The, uh, the shows, the live shows? Yeah. Uh, I forget. They're, they were affordable though. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, yeah, they weren't free. Yeah. But they, but they were affordable. Metallica did it. Cause they did this. This is how I got into Metallica with the St. Anger. They actually, you got to pass to Metallica's vault. Mm. And oh. I was able to download shows from the eighties and nineties. Oh, that's cool. For free. And that's how I got to actually realize what Metallica was and not St. Anger. Yeah. Cause St. <laughs> Anger is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say, Matt, you saw them in a show, though, where, where it didn't have, feel to say that he's like, people don't like this, but. Yeah, like, uh, when I when I saw him back in August, um, yeah. like not now for a song that people didn't give a chance. It's like they played one song from St. Anger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's Is that their Nebraska album? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, no, no. The Nebraska, Nebraska album is their Lulu album, which they did in collaboration with Lou Reed, which just sounds terrible. Okay. Oh my goodness, I couldn't listen to it. Uh it's so bad. And I love Lou Reed. That's that's disappointing. Don't uh, if you want to be disappointed, listen to Lulu. Yeah, but, okay. Um Ethan, you gotta have some thoughts on this, right? Um yeah, I mean <laughs> my my thoughts go more like big picture in terms of no surprise, you guys will not be surprised in terms of um we are part of an economic system that allows this to happen right um you know capitalists love to talk about how capitalism is the best because it encourages competition and competition encourages the best businesses are competing uh for for the trust and the money of consumers and so that's going to be the best for everybody but that only happens when competition is is actually allowed and when uh, uh, antitrust laws are in place and when monopoly is punished severely, right? Like, I think that's the other thing. I'm sure that there are people who would come back to me and be like, oh, but this happened and this happened and this this company had to pay this fine. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck about some little fine. Not, a, not at the level we're talking about, right? We're talking about like major, major, major wholesale changes that would have to happen, right? Um, so for me, I'm thinking like, yeah, it all sucks. It's all horrible. I'm not surprised. It's, it's a bummer. And as usual, the working class is the class that's getting fucked. And Matt, what I like that you said, and this is, you know, I like Bruce. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not picking on him specifically, but people like him and people like Taylor Swift and people like Metallica, they are closer to billionaires than to us, right? They are the 1%. They, they are not working class. Okay. Um, and so what, what bothers me is, yeah, it's the ruling class. It's the capitalist class. It is, it is these massive companies like Ticketmaster, Live Nation, whatever, and these artists who are already insanely rich. 
um, who are benefiting from this system. Now, I'm more for the artist to benefit, you know, to, to benefit. I, I obviously can stomach that better than I can something like Ticketmaster. But at the end of the day, and you guys know that I feel this way, I've talked about this. To me, it's unconscionable that, uh, you know, people are routinely going to spend, I don't, how much are people spending on like really good seats at Bruce shows, Colin? Like 500, 1,000 more if it's like scalped? Like I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure for this tour. I mean, I know there was the outrage and everything, but as Devin knows, because he's going to be with us that weekend, the one stop he's making on the first leg of his U S tour, uh, we have a wedding <laughs> to go. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, I will not be seeing him in ah. Greensboro. I'll ah. be well, Charleston. Well, and I will say to Bruce, like, I do want him to get, I want him to get the money instead of scalpers. Well, right? yeah, like true. hundred percent. I, 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 I do that not I'm disagree with, with his sentiment there. Yeah. Um, definitely. I just, and I know 10 years ago, he was one of the ones trying to push some other system to beat that. And that's part of the genesis of dynamic pricing was him. He was one of the ones making a lot of noise 10 years ago saying that this isn't right. Um, so credit to him for, for saying that, but the system that's resulted in is essentially one that potentially fucks people who are just trying to see the show over a little bit even more and and one other issue that that um didn't get mentioned and i don't know if other people are mentioning this much at all but the other aspect of this right so obviously we are i think we're all generally in support right we would rather the artists get paid than scalpers or than Ticketmaster or whatever but the other issue is artists have a much smaller or a much different piece of the pie than they did 20 years ago, even when we were kids, let alone 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Right. So, and, and so then the other, the question with that is what do we do about streaming? Right. And obviously we all use streaming. Like we love it. It's super, it's super valuable. It's super beneficial for, for many, many, many things, but this massive source of income for artists for decades is is gone. And, and so I'm all for artists coming up with ways to get their piece of the pie and I'm all for them making lots of money. Like Bruce, you know what, to be fair, Bruce, Taylor Swift, whoever, these people, they, the demand is that fucking high. Like, okay, if people are willing to spend that kind of money, okay, fine. Um, and let them, let them get the money, let the artists get the money. So like I can stomach that a little bit more, you know, um, like I would much rather, it's kind of like what we've talked about with baseball right like aaron judge getting paid 360 million like he's closer to a billionaire than he is to us he is not working class but i would still much rather that he gets the money than hal steinbrenner right yeah. it's it's about you know not siding with with the big bosses right at the end of the at the end of the day um but i think that that's an interesting component of it too is just this idea of of uh, the the massive impact that online streaming has had and the fact that artists do not make shit from that anymore um and so they have to find other ways to like to make their money. Now, people like Bruce and Katy Perry and whatever, it doesn't really matter so much, right? Uh, they they are going to make so much money from their recordings and their royalties anyways, because they're such huge artists. Um, but for like 99% of artists out there who are, are just like medium bands, Electric Six, Trampled by Turtles, the Avid Brothers, I mean, they're pretty big, but they're, they're not like Bruce level, right? Uh, these kinds of artists, they, they, uh, it's, it's more of a struggle for them. It's more of a challenge. Um, and so I think that there's, I don't know, maybe, maybe something to be addressed in there as well. Um, but that was, I mean, you know, 
overall like really fascinating info, Matt. And actually, you know, next time we have Jeremy on um, after, cause you know, he's, he's, he's started his talent buyer job now, right? He's been doing it for like a month or so. And it would be interesting, you know, he, he's had to deal with some of this kind of stuff even before he was, he was doing the talent buyer gig. And so I imagine that he has some, some other perspectives on this and it would be, it would be pretty interesting to kind of hear from, from, from that side, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, it's a, it's a big problem. I like all of the, the solutions you presented. I don't know. I mean, it seems like they take effort. They're hard. They take effort. It seems like a, like some sort of like really, really good organizational, like union effort would help. Um, but it also seems like that would be logistically extremely difficult. You know, musicians are a crazy disorganized bunch. And, and, uh, so I, you know, I don't know how likely it is that that some sort of mass, you know, organizational movement like that would, would accomplish much. Well, here, Mary, my two cents, if you want to help, and it's an artist you truly care about and enjoy listening to buy the album. Like if, if I like the artist, even though I can stream it for free on Spotify, I'm going to buy the album and I'm going to buy it from them. Yeah. Where do you buy just, albums these days? Well, like, I, and it's such a great question. Question. on and their websites, a method as I can, right? If I can yeah. buy it directly from their website, I'm going to do that. Or do Bandcamp. Bandcamp is like a really good uh, platform. Yeah. The artists get to like, they, they can like do it themselves yeah. and, yeah. You know, if I if I absolutely can, I'm going to do it at, at the show. I'm going to do it at the concert. If I can't do it that, I'm going to do it at their website or Bandcamp's another one. Yeah. Then a local record store if yeah. I can't do it there, and then finally Amazon. Yeah. So you're talking you're talking like physical yes. copies or but even but you know what but yeah so like vinyl because it's really it's like way back in style and vinyl is also not cheap right like if you buy if you buy a record it's going to be like twenty five thirty bucks like. Yeah, that's that's some good support for the artist. But even if you don't want to do that, buy the ten dollar digital album. Even if you can just stream it for free, if you do want to support them, buy the ten dollar digital on Bandcamp if they have it, or if they have a digital uh, version on their website. Right, that's ten bucks or whatever. That's still better than nothing. That's still better than just streaming them a bunch how do on you, Spotify. How do you listen to it when you buy the digital? Like, can you put it on your Spotify or, or something? I add it like to my iTunes? Apple Music. Yeah. I put it on my Apple Music. Yeah, I mean. That's a good question. I don't know. I think there's a way. There used to be a way. I haven't looked in a long time. Maybe, maybe Matt or Devin know. Um, there used to be a way on Spotify that you could like add your stuff from your device into Spotify. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can. think that that yep. was more for stuff that Spotify didn't carry. It's like, oh, do you have some like random rare thing that we don't have? You can download it from your computer onto your spot. In, oh, did Ethan just freeze for you guys too? Yeah. Thank yeah. God. So, so the the reason I say that, and, and we can wrap it up because it's getting this late. Is a great picture too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just just so it's you guys know, the average this. the average stream stream earnings for a, a song, one song stream on Spotify is four tenths of a cent. Um, so that four means four tenths that, of a cent. Four tenths of a cent is what an artist earns for a stream on Spotify. Wow. So if you're buying that same album for ten bucks on Bandcamp. And all of that Bandcamp goes, that 10 bucks goes to the artist, which we know it doesn't. You'd have to listen to that song 2,500 times on Spotify for them to get the same amount of money. So, um, and my Spotify wrapped, I really liked a couple songs here, but I think the most I listened to them was 40 times, <laughs> which is a lot different than 2,500. So um, <laughs> keep that in mind too. Like that's, that's why if it's someone I really want to support, I'll fork out that money. Internet died. Sorry. I don't know what I was saying when it froze, but 
Sorry, my, mind, my mind, you were just ranting that entire time. Here, <laughs> well, when did it? When did it freeze? Like how long ago? Like three minutes ago. Not, Not really that long ago, did it? Nah, like, oh, okay, no, like a minute ago. Yeah. Oh, that's still pretty bad. I was going. All right, yeah. no. Devin, top us off. What do you think about music? Do you listen to what, music? What could we possibly say that Matt has not researched? I mean, you uh, you went into the depths there, man. Yeah. You, you found every piece and you uncovered. Um, we we got our own John Oliver episode tonight. Basically, it, is what I'm, happened. It's I mean, basically, I've been hate researching it for three straight weeks. So yeah. <laughs> so what what stands out is uh, similar to our country. I mean we got a lot of shit going on it's not nearly compared to what you're diving into here but we know that the status quo is not the answer so the solutions are what stands out to me and it's great to hear that uh, there's artists doing the credit cards that need to be swiped in there's people capping what's sold on um on third-party sites um the only flaw i see is there's no fucking way kid rock is intentionally doing something to support the fans he, he clicked <laughs> the wrong box by accident <laughs> well so th- so this was all 10 or 12 like years ago so okay yeah i mean he, um, he was just too hungover he had no idea he played last night he thought the show was <laughs> tonight. Like, there, there's no like the flaw flaw in your whole system there but outside of that i mean i'm, I'm glad you brought out the solutions you focus on those um I, it's, it's great to dwell on what's not great i mean it, it's important to dwell what works. on what's happening and yeah. and point out the problems but uh striving towards the solution is is what we should i mean almost always be focusing on so it's great to hear those aspects do you, you could go to you could no, go see the the avert brothers uh in charlotte on new year's eve i'll be having a baby but i was gonna say you're not making that show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. no, my, my concert budget is is exhausted right now i've got billy joel in july or in january I've is got, that an MSG? Yep. Yeah. I've wow. got a, a secret show I'm seeing in February. I can't say anything because there's a listener to this podcast who is a surprise for. Uh, I've got a comedian <laughs> I'm seeing in March, and I've got hopefully the Red Hot Chili Peppers I'm seeing in April. So I'm strapped for now. But yeah, Yulia, we're almost done. I swear we're almost done, Yulia. <laughs> I, I ranted a lot. I'm sorry. Ethan's in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I saw him look up like two or three times. I was like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I told her what you just said, Matt. I, I thank you. You, you. you helped me out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Well, I think we did it. This is a good one, Matt. That was uh, that was pretty epic and uh, and uh, really super interesting. And I think uh, one of the one of the more meaningful things we've talked about recently. So I'd say I'm probably eighty percent accurate in the stuff I rattled off. Um, <laughs> round up, hey, here, that's hundred. You know what? That's yeah, round up exactly, and that's higher probably than we would see on like many news sources. So watch the John Oliver episode if you guys get a chance. Look at the Planet Money episode for what Kid Rock did twelve years ago. Um, also, shout out to uh, to the listener of the podcast. I meant to mention you earlier, Scott. Thank you for listening in. Yeah, yeah. Scott. Yeah. Also, Hell yeah. Also, shout out for going. He 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 contacted me with a bunch of beers that he bought at Mortalis, which I've talked about a couple times. I used to wear their hat. You make me jealous, man, because I missed the shit out of their beers up outside of Rochester. I still dream of that Nutter Butter Imperial Stout that I had there because it was <laughs> the best beer, the best peanut butter beer I've ever had. Um, so shout out to Scott. Thank you for listening. Uh, let's get you on the show sometime. And yeah. I have a shout out to that person who commented on YouTube and said nice stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, 
I'm just blown away. I'm just blown away. Okay, just really quickly, just the fact that that you would be on YouTube and you would get a random suggestion of some video of people you have never heard of in your life. You have no idea. And it's fucking us. It's us three. And we just ramble about baseball for an hour, right? Every episode. We just talk about like baseball and bullshit for an hour. And this person like watched the whole thing. Yeah. That's like incomprehensible to me. But thank you, person. You made my day. And uh, that's that's just really exceedingly lovely. So shout out to them. <laughs> D, any shout outs? Man, no, I, I don't think I can top Ethan. I, I just got to repeat what he said. That was amazing. <laughs> that, that is truly a loyal fan, Colin. You, you mentioned that in your, your opening statement. This is a loyal listener. He sat through that entire thing and hated you guys and gave you a lovely comment. Yeah, that's a 10 out of 10. Yeah, 100%. All right, boys, we are headed to, to the Rose Bowl. Bowl. Thanks for being here, Devin. <laughs>